Gracious Father, we acknowledge that you are in control of all things, uh, whether through your permissive will uh, that you permit things to happen or your decree of will where uh, no uh, human being, no created thing can thwart. Uh, and so, Father, we thank you that uh, we are in your hands, each and every one of us who has put our faith and trust in your Son, Jesus Christ, for our salvation, uh, that there is no need to worry about anything because we are in your hands, uh, that you have promised through your indwelling Holy Spirit uh, as our seal and guarantee until that day uh, to bring us home to the place that you have prepared beforehand uh, that uh, is particularly for each and every one that is your son or daughter. Uh, And all so that uh, we may give you the glory and the praise and the honor, for you alone are worthy. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, today we uh, wrap up uh, this section of verses 3 through 14, uh, which uh, has been uh, a, uh, a fruitful journey as we have taken a look at many different aspects, many different truths of uh, God's revelation to us uh, as we finish out this uh, section of God's sovereign plan of salvation, uh, part 16. Uh, And if you remember when I began uh, back uh, 16 sermons ago, uh, that I shared a quote from John Stott, and I'd like to reread that quote as you reflect backwards over all that we have spoken to. Because he called this section a gateway, a golden chain, a kaleidoscope, a snowball, a racehorse, an operatic overture, And the flight of an eagle. All these metaphors in their different ways describe the impressive uh, impression of color, movement, and grandeur which the sentence makes on the reader's mind. So hopefully as you think back, uh, if you've been with us uh, for all 16 or I guess 15 sermons prior and and today, uh, as you uh, contemplate uh, what I would consider a thread that goes throughout but is something that speaks to our primary existence uh, as uh, those who are created in the image of God. Uh, And as we look back, and you uh, hopefully are there in Ephesians chapter 1 already, uh, if you take a look at verse 3, as we began our time uh, many weeks ago, uh, and it, it begins by saying, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. Blessed be, or praise be to God. And the thing is, is that set the tone for the rest of uh, that passage, all the way through verse 14. But there is a phrase that we came across back in verse 6, but we also see repeated in this last section that we've been talking about in relation to the inheritance that we have in Christ where it is repeated two more times. And we know that any time we see repetition in the Scriptures, it's not there to be redundant. Uh, It is there for a call uh, and for our benefit to see that this is of grand importance. Just as we consider the God who made us is holy, 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 that there is no one like Him, there is no other. This phrase is repeated three times. And if you look at verse 6, It begins to the praise of his glorious grace. 
If you look down in verse 12, it says there, uh, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. And then if you look at verse 14, which is the, the final capstone of this section, in speaking to uh, this Holy Spirit who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. So Paul, uh, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, as he penned these words, wants us to know that everything that pertains to this life, everything that pertains to the creation of the entire universe, everything that has come into being since the very beginning when God said, let there be, is to the praise and the glory of God. And the thing is, as believers in Jesus Christ, we have to guard ourselves and be careful that we do not lose sight of this beautiful expression, to the praise of his glory. Because the thing is, is that life creeps in. You know, our, our uh, primary existence of, of what we have is our identity. Uh, the things that we think, the things that we do, the things that we do in, in relation to work and to family. By the time you leave here this morning, Lord willing, you're going to have a different mindset if you don't have it already. Because remember, you are no longer like the rest of the world. That is all about self-glory. But instead, we have been saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ so that we may, to the praise and the glory of God's glorious grace, give him, the only one who is worthy, the glory in everything. And it's something that I think as we look across the church, as we look across our country, as we look across the world, there are those who do give praise and glory to God. But there is a whole lot more that don't. And I think to the shame of even the church in, as a whole, as we look at different churches, they make it all about themselves and not about God. I want to be entertained. I want, you know, the speaker to be, you know, engaging so that they keep my attention, so that my short attention span can, you know, uh, be kept for that 15 or 20 minutes. And we forget that we've been saved by grace through faith in Christ. That the Son of God took on flesh and His blood ran down that cross 2,000 years ago giving his life blood so that you may be redeemed. And that should change who you are. As I've told you before, it changes you from the inside out. But as we look at this phrase, they are the same Greek words in verses uh, 6, 12, and 14. Recognizing what is true and beautiful about God and his nature, giving him the glory that he is due. And Lord willing, by the time I'm done this morning, as I've preached this sermon to myself multiple times, I'm here to share with you the truth of the depth of these magnificent words that should be a call for us to praise and to glorify the one true God and not ourselves any longer. So my first point this morning is everything for the praise of his glory. Everything, without exception. As we take a look back over these verses 3 through 14, 
You remember, it is God who chose us, who predestined us, who adopted us, who redeemed us, who forgave us, who lavished his grace upon us, who gave us spiritual knowledge, who gave us practical knowledge, who gave us an inheritance, who sealed us in the Holy Spirit as a guarantee. And the thing is, as we think about all of that, and what can creep into our lives because we truly love ourselves is that we make it all about the us that's repeated in all those things and not about the God of the us. So don't get hung up on the word us and miss the God, the one who is the creator, the one who formed you, the one who made you in his image to be his image bearer, something he did not give to the rest of creation and miss out on what God has done and make it all about you. See, this may be a hard truth to swallow. Maybe for years you have believed otherwise, but the scriptures in multiple places, but also where we see ourselves in our text today, is for us to realize is that salvation is not God's ultimate goal. That may make you feel uncomfortable because we like to make it about ourselves. But salvation is not God's ultimate goal. Everything is working toward the praise of His glory. And the thing is, we have lost sight of that. When we you know, only exist for everything that we have to do throughout the week or what we have to do on Sunday or what we feel as though we have to accomplish, you notice the we, the we, the we, when it's all about God. The reason you are a child of God is because of God. You notice he's the one who did the choosing, the predestining, the adopting, the redemption, the forgiveness, the one who lavished. He is the one who gave in multiple aspects. He is the one who sealed. It is God, the one who is the creator, the one that everything is working toward the praise of his glory. Because you need to understand since the very beginning that Satan has been seeking to rob God of his glory. He wanted to be God. And as a result of you know, sin that we willingly choose to do and by nature are sinners, we rob God of his glory as well. You know, look at all of mankind apart from God. They want to be God. They want to be the masters of their own destiny. They want to be able to be the ones that, that are calling the shots from beginning to end. And they forget who they are. They are not autonomous. They do not have the power to exist apart from God. And one day, every knee will bow, every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. No one will escape that. But something beautiful has happened to everyone who is a believer in Jesus Christ. So if you have trusted Christ as your Savior this morning, I need your ears for a moment. Because this is a transforming truth that you exist for the praise and the glory of God now. In Christ, we are reborn to freely, so in other words, unhindered by sin, no longer a slave to it, no longer chained to it, no longer having it define who we are. 
We have been reborn to freely love God and glorify Him. And that should be something that should move us so that when we sing songs like, you know, God is in control, that you need not worry because He has you in your hands, should move you emotionally, spiritually, physically, because you are no longer living for yourself. You're living to the praise of His glory. Because God saved you, because God's Son was obedient to the point of death on a cross. See, we need to be careful not to make salvation solely about us. I mean, it is part of God's plan, an eternal plan, to save through His Son the way, the truth, and the life. But if we make it solely about ourselves, then we will fall prey to devaluing the significance of our life in Christ. Because it should change how we think. It should change what we do, what we say. Because something miraculous is happening, something beautiful that transforms us from the inside out so that we are no longer insensitive, unloving, selfish individuals any longer. A.W. Tozer said, The most dangerous trap is just living and forgetting that God exists. And the thing is, as we read that quote, we think, well, that's the rest of the world. But you know what? We can be guilty of that same thing as well. When we cease to praise and to glorify God. And it is a most dangerous trap. It will not affect who we are in Christ as far as salvation is concerned, but think of the glory that we are robbing from God because we refuse or choose to do otherwise. My call to you this morning is don't settle for a relationship with God that is an afterthought. Do not just rely in Christ for salvation so that you have been freed from God's wrath and will not spend eternity in hell. Even though that's a truth, that is not the main thing. There's so much more to it. So instead, walk with Him. Talk with Him. Commune with Him. Follow Him. Trust Him. Surrender to Him. Pursue Him. Desire Him. Worship Him. And glorify Him. See, that should be our primary reason for living. And the problem is that the world still comes in and presses down in to the point where it compresses God into this little moment of, for us, right now, 8.30 on Sunday morning. And, and don't get me wrong, I am happy that each and every one of you are here. But the thing is, is that if we're not letting the, the fact that we are saved by grace through faith in Christ to affect us not only in this hour, but in all the other hours of the week, as we leave this place, so that we are giving the praise and the glory to God in everything, then we are missing out and we are robbing God of glory. And let me say this. God is not needy. So when I am speaking to us giving God the praise and the glory that is due His name, 
Don't think that God is somehow needy and that if we don't glorify and praise him, that God is somehow missing out or lacking in something that he needs. You need to remember that he is the great I am. That as we went through the attributes of God and we spoke to the aseity of Christ and of God and of the Holy Spirit, it means that he is self-sufficient. But something, as I've said before, miraculous has happened so that we no longer are in rebellion against God, but we have the ability to give God the glory that he is due because he is the creator. He is the sustainer of all life. That apart from him, there is nothing. That doesn't mean that we need to walk around as if we are monastic monks and separating ourselves from the rest of the world because that is not what God is calling us to do. What he is calling us to do is to reflect his son, Jesus Christ, in every thought, word, and deed to the praise of his glory. So that the world can see that there is salvation in no other name, that there are no other ways to God, that he is the only true God. And you remember that he says that if we don't acknowledge him, that the rocks will cry out. And I've said this before, I don't want to be outdone by a rock. And neither should you. And it, it, it's, it, it's a change in thinking. It's a change in, you know, engaging. Because you have to train yourself to praise and to glorify God. It does not come, as it were, by osmosis and you're just like, a, you know, a wind-up toy that God has wound up and you're going to go around praising and glorifying Him. Which brings me to my next point. You know, Paul has repeated this three times for emphasis to explain the purpose of our life in Christ as living to the praise of his glory. And so, living to the praise of his glory is my next point. Because this is the practical part of it. This is who we are now. You used to live for yourself. Whatever form that took, if it was for yourself personally or even in relation to other relationships you have, it's always about you apart from God. And the thing is, is we have to guard ourselves so that as God has redeemed us for the purpose of declaring and displaying his glory everywhere, to the ends of the earth. And it's something that we need to, by the power of the Spirit, do. Because that's what we were created to do, is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. And we, as those that are beneficiaries of salvation, of redemption, who have been created in the uh, image of God, who now are a new creation, who are no longer part of darkness but are in the kingdom of light, should be those that show that forth everywhere. And I appeal to 1 Corinthians 10.31, and this is a passage we've, we've spoken to before, but it speaks again. And the thing is, is that we need to be reminded of this day in and day out. Starting at verse 31, it says, So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Give no offense to Jews or to Greeks or to the church of God, just as I try to please everyone in everything I do, not seeking my own advantage, but that of many that they may be saved. Now the context here, so we don't lose the context, is that of eating food offered to idols. 
But the principle is sound. And we can go to other scriptures that will show us that this principle is sound, is that we are to do all to the glory of God, whether we are is something as simple as eating. Or even sleeping. You can give God glory. See, our goal should be to glorify God in all that we do so that the nations will know who God is, be saved, and therefore love and glorify God and give him the glory he's due. That's that's the call that we have. And God, because he is the just judge, because he is the creator, because no one exists of their own wants or desires or or the masters of their own destiny, because those are all lies, He will bring that account to its full closure at the end of all things. But we, as believers in Jesus Christ, have the privilege of being God's ambassadors to the rest of the world. See, we can either live our lives in honor to God or in dishonor to Him. That's the two options, because we are not our own. We've been bought with a price, so... We can either live our lives in honor to God or to dishonor. And the thing is, our lives should not be characterized by how much we can get away with. To not use our Christian liberty to go ahead and do whatever we want to do, you know, unbeknownst to those around us or even to the God who saved us through Christ. God is praised and glorified when we are faithful and obedient to Him. And so this journey that we are on, as God continues to do that work of sanctification to make us more holy as he is holy, is an exercise in us choosing to be faithful and obedient to God so that we can do everything to the praise of his glory. I'm going to read some lyrics to a song. Uh, One of my favorite artists, in my you know, growing up teenage years into early college years with Stephen Curtis Chapman. And he has, you know, a lot of his songs are on the little bit more peppy side. But he wrote a song that fits in perfectly with what I'm trying to communicate today. He wrote it back ten years ago, and it's called Do Everything. Uh, and I, I want you to pay close attention to the words of what he says here. It says, you're picking up toys on the living room floor for the 15th time today. Matching up socks, sweeping up lost Cheerios that got away. You put a baby on your hip, color on your lips, and head out the door. While I may not know you, I bet I know you wonder sometimes, does it matter at all? Well, let me remind you, it all matters just as long as you do everything you do to the glory of the one who made you. Because he made you to do every little thing that you do, to bring a smile to his face, to tell the story of grace with every move you make and every little thing you do. Maybe you're that guy with a suit and tie. Maybe your shirt says your name. You may be hooking up mergers, cooking up burgers, But at the end of the day, little stuff, big stuff, in between stuff, God sees it all the same. Maybe you're sitting in math class, or maybe on a mission in the Congo. Or maybe you're working at the office singing along with the radio. 
Maybe you're dining at a five-star or feeding orphans in Myanmar. Anywhere and everywhere that you are, whatever you do, all, all matters. So do what you do. Don't ever forget to do everything you do to the glory of the one who made you. Because he made you to do every little thing that you do to bring a smile to his face and to tell the story of grace. That may seem like a simplistic song, but I'm sure that you probably could identify with some of the things in that song. But the point being is for you to not forget who you are in Christ. That it doesn't matter what you're doing. Whether you're cleaning out a litter box, whether you are mopping or sweeping a floor, whether you are showing up to work each and every day, whether you're making sure that you're not taking advantage of your employer like some of your other co-workers do. Because you're not like any of them. And even the, the most menial task you can do to the glory of God. And see, this is a difference in thinking. It's a difference in, you know, re, uh, not even reacting, but responding to the grace that you have in your life. To not be able to allow the circumstances of life to come crowding in and crushing you down so that you don't do what God saved you through Christ to do. And that is to do everything to the praise of his glory. So how should this inform our lives today? Here is the additional practical, if it hasn't been practical enough already. But I want to take you to two different examples. One comes from King David. And my first challenge to you, practically, is to have the heart of King David, who glorified God in song. We're not going to take the time to read all of 1 Corinthians chapter 16. You can do that this afternoon. But in verse 4, as David is getting ready to glorify God in song, before the ark of the Lord, it says in verse 4, Then he appointed some of the Levites as ministers before the ark of the Lord for this purpose, to invoke, to thank, and to praise the Lord, the God of Israel. Okay? Now know this, that David's God, the one that he says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. The man who is a man after God's own heart, that same God is our God. Because the God of the Old Testament, the God of Israel, is not a different God. Because he is the same God who has always eternally existed. So everything that David says in relation to the God of Israel pertains to you and I today. So 29 verses. I don't have 29 things, so don't sweat. But I have, I have a few. And as you read through this, his song of thanks... He begins by saying, give thanks to God. Give thanks to the Lord. And I know we're approaching Thanksgiving. We're still, you know, a little over a week away. But isn't it interesting that we're right at this point in Ephesians? This is not an accident. I didn't plan this out. But you know what? It doesn't, you know, mean that just because we celebrate Thanksgiving in our country that we shouldn't be thankful each and every day. But David knew the importance of giving thanks to God. And that was through the ups and downs of his life because he had both. He made mistakes, big mistakes. 
but he also knew where, where his, his love and his allegiance and where the honor and glory needed to go. So he says, give thanks to the Lord. Second, he says, make known his deeds. So don't keep them to yourself. Don't just relish in the fact that God provided in a way that you did not expect. Don't just keep this time of 8.30 to 9.30 on Sunday morning to yourself. Instead, make known to the rest of the world the deeds of our great God. So that we are giving him the praise and the glory, but also to pointing others to him. Third, he says, sing praises to him. You know, whether you're picking up those toys on the living room floor or singing to the radio or whatever it is that you identify with in that do everything song, you can sing praises to the Lord throughout the day. To allow the scriptures that you've memorized and committed to memory that the Spirit can bring back to your mind at moments to help you to take your focus off of the fear and the anxiety and the pressures of life and and, and refocus them on the one who made you, who saved you, and who was going to bring you home one day. But in the meantime, created you and saved you to the praise of his glory. Sing praises to him, foretell of all his wondrous works. Again, don't keep it to yourself. Tell others about him. Be an ambassador. You're not much of an ambassador if you're keeping it to yourself. And you're not much of an ambassador if you're, you're telling a lie. You're not much of an ambassador if you're giving a false representation of what the truth is. Be genuine. Tell others. Because Jesus saves. Fifth, glory in his holy name. Remember that he is thrice holy. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. He's eternally holy. Eternally self-existed. Yet he chose to create knowing full well that man would choose to disobey him and fall. So he provided the way, the truth, and the life. Opened up your eyes to spiritual things by removing that, that, that heart that was a rock, removed it, and replaced it with a fleshly heart that could know him and love him and glory in his name. Next, he says, seek the Lord and his strength. So stop continuing to operate in your own strength and your own power. Don't rely in the gifting that God has given you as the end-all, be-all of your existence. Seek God. Go to God each and every morning and say, God, how can I glorify you today? Maybe I didn't do it yesterday, but yesterday is behind me. I cannot change it, but I can change forward Remember the wondrous works that he has done. Part of glorifying God is remembering what he's done in your life. Remembering that great salvation that you have. Remembering how he brought you forth. Remembering what he has brought you out of. And remembering what he is is going to do. Remember God's wondrous works and the works that he says are yet to come. Declare his glory among the nations. Because our work is none. 
there are still those who need to believe, who need to hear the glorious good news of Jesus Christ. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. So in other words, attribute to him or regard him as he is scripturally. Remember the God of all because he loves you so much so that he sent his son. Don't be a stranger. Spend time with him and regard him as he is. Next, worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. See, you have something that even the angels don't quite understand. Why would the Son of God give himself as a sacrifice? We have the privilege to worship the Lord. So do so, not only at 8.30 on Sunday morning, but every hour of every day, minute by minute, moment by moment. Because blessed be the Lord from everlasting to everlasting. Amen. Have the heart of King David who glorified God in song. And last, have the perspective of the prophet Habakkuk. Now, you may not know much about the prophet Habakkuk, but he glorified God no matter what the circumstances were. And you would have to read contextually back to see much of what he spoke to and much of what was on his heart as a prophet of God. But notice what he says in Habakkuk chapter 3, starting in verse 17. Notice the circumstances. Though the fig tree should not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, the produce of the olive fail, and the fields yield no food. The flock be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls. So in other words, if everything is at its worst point, because there's no food, there, there's nothing to, to look forward to, there's nothing to take care of because it's all gone. It did not produce because God removed his grace and allowing those things to take place. You know what? Food doesn't just grow on its own. Seasons do not just change on their own. Plentiful does not just happen on its own. It's the God who is behind it, around it, in it, and through it each and every day. So this is the, the circumstances. So notice his response. And this is the perspective I want you to have. Verse 18. Yet, I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. God the Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the deer's. He makes me tread on my high places. See, this is a prophet, a mouthpiece of God to tell God's people what they, they needed to hear. Because they were not giving God the praise and the glory. Because that's what the prophets ended up doing. It was, it was mostly a message of come back to God because you've wandered away from God. Yes, God has saved you, but you've forgotten that God has saved you and are living like you should. So the very principle that the prophets would have you know, proclaimed because they were mouthpieces of God is the same truth that we need to hear today. Don't forget the God of your salvation. Don't live as if. It isn't something beautiful and miraculous and transforming. 
and has the ability to transform other people. So it doesn't matter what's happening. So as you look at your family, at your job, as you look at this state of Connecticut, as you look at the United States of America, and even the world as a full stage, don't allow the circumstances of everything else going on around you to pull you from, I will rejoice in the Lord, I will take joy in the, Lord, the God of my salvation. God is the Lord. He is my strength. He makes my feet like the deer's. He makes me tread on my high places. So that deer who has sure footing, no matter where it's running, wherever it is, you know, walking, its feet are sure. So you may be walking on a beehive of, of unexpected, unwelcomed circumstances. But that should never, ever rob you or change you from glorifying God and giving Him the praise and the glory. So every believer here, I want you to look up and look at me. As a fellow brother in the Lord, as one who is called to be a shepherd of the flock, do not rob God of what he is due. Don't forget who you are. Do not walk out of this place today the same individual. Because even if you have been giving God the praise and the glory, this should empower you and excite you to continue doing what you're doing. But if you've walked out of this place before, maybe week after week, month after month, Get that proverbial shot in the arm on Sunday for an hour, and then all of a sudden the cares of this world and the circumstances of life come burdening down on you. Do not give circumstances the victory. Make today be the line in the sand so that you may praise and glorify God because He saved you for that purpose. It is for His glory that God saves. Because what does God need from a rock heart that is a rebellion against God, that cannot see spiritual things? He doesn't need that. But he chose to show his love because God is love. But he also showed his justice because Christ hung on the cross shed his blood and died for you. So don't forget the power of that salvation that raised Jesus Christ from the dead to show that you have been resurrected from your spiritual death to spiritual life. To the praise of his glory. Let's bow for a closing word of prayer. Father, Lord, we ask for your help today. Because we need your help to be able to live to the praise of your glory. Because we are still frail at best, human shells that have been filled with the power of Almighty God. That we have been transformed and we have a glorified body waiting for us that is fit for eternity so that we may worship and glorify the God of all who needed nothing yet created, 
who saved so that the glory that he deserves is returned to him. Because everything that is created by the Almighty God should glorify God. Everything. But that's what sin has done to rob you of that. And for that, we're sorry. We ask for your forgiveness through your Son, Jesus Christ. We ask for your forgiveness when we do choose to disobey as a rather to, than obeying. But I ask for each one here, every believer in this room today, that they may leave this place empowered by the Spirit of God who is indwelling them, who is the seal until the day of redemption, that guarantee so that they may live victorious, powerful lives in a dark and weary land. So that we may glorify and praise you. So that your name may be lifted up to the ends of the earth. In Jesus' name, amen.